It's time for Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. Your go-to source for all things NLL and box lacrosse. Now, settle down and listen up. It's time for Lax Class. What's up, lacrosse fans? Welcome back to Lax Class. Here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network for episode Lax Class 221. We're into the 220s. Uh, welcome back to Lax Class. Jake Elliott, Tino Farah with you. Big show on deck. It's a rainy Monday here, Tino. Big week in the National Cross League just went by. Another one is on deck. We got a lot to talk about. Uh, how goes it, dude? Uh, it goes pretty good. I'm still, I mean, it gets like a day later, but I think I'm, I was really hung over yesterday all day. Oh, um, so why is that? I, we went out the pylons. We had our, uh, we oh, had our pylons, wind up on, pylons. Yeah, we had our wind up on Saturday night and it was, it was, we, we were oh, the wind I, I don't up. Wanna, the season's I, over. No, we got playoffs coming up, oh. but we wanted to get it out of the way before playoffs started. So, so you, you can have another hard. bender. Ideally, after, there you go. After so I uh, went down to, we started the night at least over at uh, the Revs Bowling Alley there in Maple Ridge. Oh, classic. Which, yeah. haven't been there since I was like a kid. That place hasn't changed at all. It has not, nope. Um, and I don't think the prices of their beverages have gone up either because <laughs> we were going in there and getting two pitchers for like $40 after the tip. So it was like $37 for two pitchers of Canadian. It was incredible. Um, that is quite the bargain. Yeah, but uh, I don't want to brag or nothing, but uh, I am by far the best at five pin bowling on the team. Oh, uh, we had this. We had the slap bets going. Would you? Would sl- you? Would you roll? Uh, let me pull up the. I think it was like. Oh, you I, kept I, I, your stats. Yeah, because they were because I had like a really good second uh, second game, uh, and they were uh, two sixty in five pin. Like two sixty. Two sixty. You gonna frame uh, that? <laughs> I don't know. It's too blurry of a picture. We okay. don't want that frame. But uh, by the way, I I don't know if you want to go at uh, owner and general manager of the Toronto Rock here a little bit. Uh, Jamie Dowick texted me a couple of weeks ago. He says, <laughs> "Tell Tino that the Oakville ball hockey team, the Rock there, would absolutely take you guys the pylons." To the woodshed, and uh, you know, you didn't really have a chance to respond to that. So, if you want to do that here and now, I'm I'm willing to listen. I'll just to keep it nice and simple. I'll say, Jamie, um, stop uh, hiding all the way over there in Toronto. Um, come on down. There's a there's a great hockey house here in Langley, and uh, I'll let the play of the pylon. Okay, you better be careful because you know if there's ever a guy that might just book a charter for his ball hockey team and bring them to the <laughs> West coast to play the pylons. It might be Jamie Dowick. He, he mentioned that they haven't really been running since he laid down the, the second turf there at the track, but that team featured a, a couple of NLLers, a couple of former NLLers, uh, one notable Timmy, the surgeon O'Brien on that team, you know, so just, you know, I, Careful what you wish for. I'm just well. Maybe, maybe if that if he's the type of person that actually would fly his team down here, maybe I should say, uh, Jamie, fly us out to you. Oh, um, and then that way we get a vacation out of it. (laughs) (laughs) 
not a bad strategy. Yeah. Right there. Um, well, welcome back to Lax Class, man. We got a we got a great show here. We should tell the classmates who's on the program. Uh, Jeff, the corn dog. We got Jeffrey Cornwall of the Calgary Roughnecks uh, on on the podcast this this week for the first time. I believe Jeff Cornwall will be a guest, and a couple of reasons to have Jeff on. One, his Calgary Roughnecks beat the Halifax Thunderbirds on the weekend. Two, it was Jeff Cornwall that scored the overtime winner. And three, it's Black History Month here in February, and the National Lacrosse League putting a spotlight on this, and we want to bring some awareness and recognition to it as well so we figured i mean that that's the perfect guest right there and and jeff cornwell yeah and i'm pretty excited too to talk to him about his experience thus far in calgary with it being his first season and there were uh uh was saying like before the season he had such high praise for him so uh, so i'm really curious to find out what his adjustment has been like coming over from saskatchewan now over to calgary and and how he's enjoyed his time there so well speaking of adjustments tino this this guy is a proud Coquitlam Junior Adnac, Minto Cup champion in 2010 under Kurt Malowski, but now one of the co-head coaches of the Port Coquitlam Saints. I can't even say it, you know, without uh, choking <laughs> up a little bit. I mean, that is, uh, there's certain lines you don't cross in the sport of lacrosse. I mean, and I and I had to do it in my senior career of going going from the A's to to be a belly. It was tough. It was a tough transition, and and I would say Poco, you know, is the arch rival of Coquitlam, if not New Westminster. But tough, uh, tough turn there, going from the purple and gold to the to the black and yellow. Yeah, I'm at. I actually have like uh, written down here that I want to ask him about that a little bit because I did all I did all the play by play for their home game yeah. last year, so yeah. I got to see a ton of the the Junior Saints. And I mean, let's just be honest they they only won one game all year. Like they weren't great. It'll but, be better this year. I can guarantee you that. Yeah, and I and I'm excited to talk to him a little bit about like what are the expectations this year? Like, who are you expecting to to make a a step in in another direction there? I know they got uh, Josh Mills over there. Yeah. Oh, we got to talk about Josh year. Mills here coming up as well. We got to talk about Josh Mills coming up. Uh, stop writing stuff down. You're making me look bad over here, Tino. Because I don't I don't ever really do that before you've made fun of me for this before and i'll give you the same answer every time Uh, i am such an anxious person yeah if i feel underprepared i'm gonna crumble i I am so weak mentally i think you know honestly i think evan is is kind of like that and and challenger is definitely like that i am almost the complete opposite like sometimes i forget to bring things up which you know, drives me nuts a little bit, but for the most part, I just sit down and and have a conversation, let it go where it goes. I have a few things in my head that I, I know I want to kind of hit on, but never been a big write down kind of guy. But with that being said, I actually did write something down this week, you know, because I, my memory, certain things like I can remember for the rest of time, other things I cannot have locked in my brain more than 10 seconds. So I, I did write this down because um, I've forgotten to mention this for, I don't know, the better part of the last three weeks. And a, a loyal listener here to Lacrosse Classified, Brandon Kachuk, who is, is doing a bit of a fundraiser right now. And I want to make sure I get this right. So I'm going to stall here because I probably should have had it pulled up before I started rambling here. But he's doing a fundraiser. Uh, he's His son has club feet and Brandon who I know listens every single week is going on this crazy, crazy hike uh, to raise money 
for his son. And uh, this is wild. Like, he is doing the Rideau Trail, which is 327 kilometers long, Tino. Whoa. 203 miles. It's a nature trail out of Kingston, Ontario, that goes to Ottawa. So he's essentially walking across a province and trying to do it in about 10 days. Um, Laxglass retweeted the GoFundMe page and the link for that. I'll do that again this week. But I wanted to make sure if you want to support Brandon and, and his story, go check it out. Brandon Kachuk, and I'll give you his, his Twitter handle as well um, so you can give Brandon a follow. And that is Lax. Kachuk, like uh, like the hockey player here, T H A C H U K, ninety six. Lax Kachuk, ninety six. So you can follow Brandon and his journey and his fundraiser. And uh, I'm glad I finally had a chance to get that in. We got week eleven. Who you got coming up? You know, don't let me forget to mention who won week ten. We'll do that momentarily. Uh, We got Lax Class Locks coming up. Tino! Oh, the pain. The pain of it all. One goal away from cashing the parlay last weekend. Unfortunately, uh, O-Rig there missed the empty netter. And uh, we came up one goal short. uh, Stupid goalie. Just kidding, Christopher. Just kidding. Uh, and uh, look at mention, we got Jeff Cornwall in quarter number two. Here in quarter one, Stampede Stallions are coming up. And uh, we got to talk about all the games that went down in week 10 of the National Cross League. It started in Denver, Colorado on Friday night as the Georgia Swarm, who had only played four lacrosse games, coming off, I think, a double bye week here. Uh, and winless coming into it, taking on the defending champions, and everybody wondering, would Dylan Ward play in this lacrosse game? He did, and Denver, Colorado, they win it 13-10, and Georgia still searching for win number one. Yeah, still searching for win number one. Like I know it's tough to take positives when, when they don't have a win yet, um, but... I mean, there were a handful of points in this game where I kind of thought that I thought that Georgia was going to take it. Dobson looked fourth, good. Yeah, I thought that he had a couple. Like I, I thought he was a little bit up and down. I thought there was times when he let in some some that he he's going to want to have back, and then there were other times where where I really saw the glimpses of what everybody's been talking about yeah. about this kid being, yeah. you know, the goaltender of the future. But uh, something you know we have to talk about here, uh, Jumbo. Mm. One Andrew Koo. <laughs> Getting uh, eight points on the night. Uh, shout out to Andrew Koo uh, for just an incredible eight point night. Listen, overall. I'm not gonna. I'm and he and he heard about it on Twitter, and I don't know if we. I'm just joking around. I know I don't know if we need to pile on, but honestly, like I, it it it's funny and it's not funny, right? Because like th- things matter, and and saying na- names people's names properly really really matters and and you know i don't want to mention names either but like i had you know an ll exec tweet out i don't want to get it wrong but he's like score is a a noun not a verb (laughs) sort of thing and uh, yeah it's a verb not a noun excuse me i was never great at grammar man i I, it just makes me wonder and and i'm not like i said i'm not calling anybody's name out or 
or singling anybody out here, but it, it often makes me wonder when I watch some of these other broadcasts whether these guys are watching another single lacrosse game rather than the one that's on in front of their eyes every two weeks. Yeah. I, I mean, like you want to give everyone the benefit of the doubt and I'm not, I wasn't bringing that up to try to like pile on this guy. I just, I, I saw uh Del Bianco tweet about it during the game. I oh, thought everybody that was really was. funny. Everybody yeah. Was. I, I mean, like, yeah, I'm just trying to have a little bit of fun. I know you it, are. But... I know you are. And it like, it's it, like I said, it's, it's funny, but it's not funny. Yeah, totally. I know what you mean. Uh, so I don't know. I hope everybody like I, you're, you're not going to get by and not everybody's going to be like me where I got four screens going at once and, you know, I'm watching every single second of every single game that I can. But man, oh man, like you've been around for long <laughs> enough to know like what you got to do to prepare properly. And I just it's frustrating, especially when I'm sitting here calling five five games a season and I'm anyways, I don't want to <laughs> let's let's steer down another road here. Tino uh, Denver gets the win. Uh, they played two games this weekend. We'll talk about the other one coming up here momentarily. That was the only Friday night game, unfortunately, especially with such a loaded schedule. You kind of would hope that they could spread that out a little bit over Saturday and even Sunday lacrosse, uh, whoever needs to hear or listen to <laughs> Sunday lacrosse. Uh, Toronto hosted the New York Riptide. And Riptide, man, I... I feel like these guys should be better than they are, but Toronto is so good. (laughs) I'm starting to think Toronto might be the team of destiny this year, the way these guys are going right now. The Riptide need a goaltender. They need a starting goaltender. Every, Every team in the National Lacrosse League needs a bona fide starter, and some you can see the ones that got it, separate themselves from the ones who don't. And all you got to do is kind of look around at people's records at this stage of the game. Vancouver rookie goaltender, Georgia rookie goaltender, New York very young goaltender. It's tough, man, when you don't have an established, bona fide, number one starter workhorse in this league, you're going to struggle. Toronto with the high watermark, this year, 22 goals they hang on the Riptide, who drop another. Yeah, and I was watching like a post-game interview. Um, I can't remember who it was with, somebody from New York, and they were saying, and I agree, and I completely agree as well, like generally, if you put up 14 goals, like that's enough to oftentimes win you a game at the very least, like you're competitive in that game. Yeah. But when the other team is putting up 22, like... Can't compete. W- what what can you even what can you even say there? Like uh, offensively, your team's doing enough. Um, it's it's on the back end where there's issues, like you just said, and you know it may be another candidate for a team that can be in maybe the Frank Shiliano sweepstakes if that's something that that becomes available. Or I know people have talked about trying to pry Zach Higgins out of Philly. Like maybe that's another option for for New York to try to get there. You know, get their get their guy turning in that direction. Again, like nothing personal, and and I hope people and players, coaches, executives, whoever that that listen to this, do not take things to a personal level. Like I'm just, I I feel like I'm speaking truths here, and I I honestly believe not to get off on a tangent here, Tino, but I honestly believe like our sport still needs to get to a place where people like me and you and Teddy and Brad and Pat and whoever else 
can speak honestly, objectively. Like, I'm not looking to bury anybody here, but things... And I think for the most part, people probably know without it being said, but when things are as apparent as they are, I just hope people don't get bent out of shape over it when we're, you know, we're trying to help it help listeners learn, essentially. Yeah, I mean, like, you've you've heard me get super frustrated about, like, people... The big thing, the big knock on me is that I'm I'm too negative, apparently. And, like, whatever. It is, it is what it is, but I, I don't... I like to try to be like, look at these things from a realistic point of view or like, or how can we, how can we get the best results? Like from every team kind of thing. And if you don't look at it, honestly, then you're not really meeting that requirement. I don't think so. And, and also I think overall, if this sport and this league, especially, which I love so much, if, if it wants to be, taken more seriously to that next step of becoming a major league in North America and around the world, you have to be able to accept criticism. You have to. Yeah. And if you got some to fire my way, like fill your boots. Like I, I'm here to listen. I'm here to talk. And, 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 you know, it's not like anybody is just straight up said like, no F you Elliot, I'm not coming on your podcast. You're a clown or whatever. Nobody's ever done that. And I, and I really appreciate everybody donating their time to, to come on and do it. I just kind of worry about that sometimes, but I really would like to see our sport get to a point where guys could just speak openly and honestly and not have people get their feelings hurt over it. Um, little rant for the day, I suppose. <laughs> Let's move along. Um, that's a couple rants today, I think, Tino. It's a Monday. Uh, Philadelphia. We haven't talked Wait, about Jumbo, this. We're skipping over the Calgary-Halifax game. Did we? Yeah. Oh, we can't Skipped do right it. over. Well, I don't know. It's uh, All right. Let's talk Calgary and Halifax then. What's your takeaways <laughs> from this thing, man? I Kind of a tale of two halves, I suppose. Uh, Calgary didn't look great in the first half. Halifax was, was clicking along here. And then... In, in classic roughneck fashion, that the comeback starts, and this time they were able to climb the hill and get over the top. Yeah, Del Bianco, 54 saves. Like, are you kidding me? It's ridiculous. Yeah, he's got um, a couple of assists to go along with it, too, now. Like, what's he up to? Unreal. 13, 12, 13? Like, <laughs> it's unbelievable. I, just, I think this is the thing that concerns me about Halifax that, that I've talked about before is – um, like the script from last season, how they started so hot and then they sort of fizzled out and they got their wheels back under them again, heading into playoffs. I, I still don't really think I've seen this Halifax team perform consistently to the point yet where I can say, I think that they're, they're better than they were last season. I think Warren Hills looked better in his last, in his last couple starts. Yeah. I like that a lot, but this was a game that, kind of felt like they were in control. Like oh, they said, need to for, finish that game. How do you go the, I mean, full credit to Del Bianco, man, 54 saves. Like that's pretty ridiculous. But yeah. in, in a game where you're pretty well in control heading into the fourth quarter, at the end of the third, they were up 11 to nine. So it's not like a huge lead no. that they're holding on to, but then to go into the fourth and not, not get anything in like to, to not add anything to your lead. Yeah. That's tough. I mean, they did outshoot them 65, 47. And sometimes, totally. Tino, a, a goaltender can, can steal you a game. And it kind of looks like that's what happened in this one. And sometimes you just got to kind of tip your cap to, 
to the phenom, man. Like, he's, it's not the first time he's done that. Won't be the last time he does it either. We're going to talk to Jeff Cornwall a lot about that game as well. So let's shuffle on to the city of brotherly love. We didn't talk about this yet, Tino. Speaking up, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up, and this just jogged my memory because as no sooner than we hit stop on episode 220, <laughs> One Mitchell Jones, proud sponsor of the podcast here, gets traded from Vancouver to the Philadelphia Wings in exchange for Charbonneau, a first and a second. As the moves have begun in Vancouver, they cut Justin Salt, uh, who was fantastic player for Vancouver for a long, long time. Loves Salty. Um, tough go there for him. They lose Logan Schuss with a season-ending injury. We talked about that. Uh, <laughs> I got to mention this. I got to mention this. The (laughs) tweet by Logan. No, three days after the guy blows his knee out, ends his season, says, just over at my parents' house feeding the cat, got some wet food on my hand. Easily the worst thing that's happened to me this week. (laughs) To have that attitude and that sense of humor at that point, after that kind of injury, that's incredible to me. Like that's the ultimate positive human being. And, and that's why you love Logan Shuss. So, um, Mitch Jones gets traded, Ethan Woods, salt cut, Shuss out injury. And they re-sign one Aaron bold back into the fold. So veteran goaltender there to help mentor young Aiden Walsh now, but I think this is maybe just the beginning of things in Vancouver. Uh, as far as change goes, but a big piece now gone, Mitch Jones, to Philadelphia and looked kind of weird. Not going to lie, seeing Mitch Jones in a in a Philadelphia Wings jersey. But by the end of it, it kind of looked right. Where number 24 picked up five points and Philly looked like, I cannot figure these two teams out for the life of me. But Philly looked like a completely different lacrosse team again. Just locked down defense. Higgy was sharp and the offense was clicking. Albany couldn't score. Um, before I get too into the game here, uh, talking about Philly, this jogged my memory, and and uh, I have uh, or we have a statement that we had that I would like to read here from one time arrow. Oh yes, uh, please do regarding uh, my take on the Philly. You're going to do this last right? week. Oh my goodness, okay. have to, okay. have to, um, because for everyone that doesn't remember, I really like those uh, those new Philly jerseys. Uh, apparently that's the freezing cold take of the year. Um, so Ty Merrill released an official statement that he uh, sent via email. So I'd like to read it real quick. If you don't mind verbatim, here we go to whom it may concern regarding the comments, Anthony without Tino Farah. That's a, that's a joke. I hope everyone gets that uh, made during lax class ep two twenty on the topic of the Philadelphia wings legacy jerseys. I would like to submit for official record the following statements no tino just no as cold a take as when the asteroid wiped out the dinosaurs and caused an ice age respectfully to to jake and disrespectfully to santino for that god-awful take i told you ty marrow i told you it was coming (laughs) 
As soon as I said an email is going to be in your inbox from Timero, I knew it was coming. And uh, it came with full full force there, Tino. You felt the wrath of, of young Mero um, because you, that's cold, man. The Ice Age, I, that's pretty cold as far as cold. T- I, don't care, I don't know what can get colder, uh, quite frankly. So, you know, the, the, you've had a couple of those uh, over the, the course of time here since you've been on, Tino. They've, they've come few and, and far between. Uh, cold takes, but uh, that one was that one was pretty cold. Hey, when, I, when I go for a cold take, I don't miss. Yeah, okay? <laughs> that's true. Uh, to rejog my memory, because that news came out on Tuesday, and it seems like all the news kind of comes out on Tuesdays when we record on Monday. We often miss that, and then you know, essentially, a full week's news cycle will go by before, like the Mitch Jones trade before we get a chance to talk about it. So the leagues and teams tend to release their news Tuesday morning. So with that being said, I think for the foreseeable future, this will be the last Tuesday release as we are going to start pumping out the pod Wednesdays at noon Pacific and just kind of see how it goes for a little while. We may lose some listeners. We may gain some listeners. It may stay the same. I don't know. It may be better, maybe worse, but we're going to switch it up and see how it goes. So no longer lax class on Tuesdays. It'll be Wednesday, every Wednesday right here on lacrosse flash podcast network. Yeah. Switch up the schedule a little bit. Change is good people. Let's, let's see what happens. Open your minds. Uh, where were we? We were talking Halifax, Calgary. We've talked enough about that. So, well, we're going to talk more about it with Cornwall, so I don't want to st- spend any more time on it. But uh, we talked Toronto, we talked Philly. So Rochester and Buffalo were up, and a lot of people anticipating this matchup, Tino, the, the rematch here. Of course, Rochester beat Buffalo the first time around. Uh, the Bandits have been playing much better since that time, but Rochester jumps out to a, a real early lead. 5-1, I think they were up at, at one point in this game, and then halftime came, and then the Buffalo Bandits decided it was time to play some lacrosse here, outscoring Rochester 7-1 in the third quarter en route. That's French, Tino. En route uh, to a 13-10 victory here over the Nighthawks, evening up that season series. This Buffalo team, man, is so scary with, and I think this is something we've talked about before as well. We've talked about it with San Diego with their ability to just to play, honestly, like just kind of okay lacrosse and then, and then just turn it on out of nowhere. And plug and play too. Hey, like guys stepping into roles that you had a great chat with, uh, with Mickey on, on lacrosse flash game of the week. And he was playing a bunch of offense. You know, McCulley's had to step up. No Josh Byrne in that game. But they just plug guys in, and away they go. Yeah, it's – I don't know what other word to use to describe them other than scary. Like, Dane Smith, man, 10 points. Like – He's on – what did I see, Tino? He's on pace for a ridiculous number again this year. I'll have to look that up. But, he like, he's on pace to break another record this year. Yeah, and, and I think – Overall, I I think I think this is one of those games where the Buffalo crowd legitimately played a factor when they see their team kind of I don't want to say being dominated, but they were kind of being dominated, sputtering. Yeah. And then, you know, they come out in the second half and this crowd has kind of seen enough of of mediocrity for uh, for Buffalo standards. 
and they kind of I mean, that's not to discredit any of the players on the floor because obviously, like, they're the ones doing the work. But I think this crowd played a big factor in this. I think if this is in Rochester and it's not a full building of just Buffalo fans, um, I think this could be a maybe a different outcome. Maybe yeah. I don't know. Maybe that's another freezing cold take. But <laughs> no, for no. a team for a team to come out at halftime and just throw up a seven goal quarter yeah. and hold the other team to one. Like well, a huge, man. huge crowd there in, in Bandaland for for that one. Like just limited seating available. Colorado looked fantastic as well. Halifax was bumping. So there's there's some real great markets around right now, getting a lot of fan support. Buffalo certainly one of those. And uh, yeah, I don't know how long Josh Byrne is out for, but I think they're going to be okay until he gets back. Like I, they they are a deep deep team and Rochester on a bit of a slide here. Uh, they are though underdogs at home this week, which, uh, kind of popped my eyes open a little bit. So we'll talk about that in quarter number three coming up. Uh, we still got more games to talk about here in the week that was San Diego hosting Panther city. And this one was an, again, another game kind of tail of two halves. Nine four seals at the half, and it was a six three second half for Panther City, but just not enough in the gas tank here for for the boys from Fort Worth as uh, O'Ray gets another start here in San Diego. But, uh, the Seals are maybe the best team in the National Cross League. Tino, I, it's for me, it's San Diego, it's Toronto, and it's Buffalo, and then it's kind of there's a second tier after that for my for my liking. Yeah, I, I agree with you. Um, I don't like. I don't think we should sleep on this Panther City team, though. I, I think it's it, and we've talked as well. The the West is a battle. Like the West is going to be a grind, and I think you know Panther City might be on the outside looking in. I mean, we'll see. But if this team can get their way into the playoffs, they're they're a good they're team. Like a, they're a good team. They're a grindy team on offense, and they're young and they're fast and. I mean, Jonathan Donville's another just seven points for Don. Seven points. He's in full swing here. Matthew Gauthier with four goals, like as as a rookie as well. Like got a goaltender right they in. believe in, right? And Daymood, like gives him a chance to win every night. Nick Daymood. He may not steal you many games, Nick Daymood, but he's going to give you a chance to win. Yeah, I, I just I think this team can be a sleeper pick for somebody if they can make their way into the postseason i I, i'm i really like this panther city squad believe they take on vancouver this week uh gonna be an interesting battle between the roughnecks and rush like all these teams are gonna have to go head to head a bunch of times here and and things will get sorted out but this kind of a big weekend for saskatchewan and calgary i would say whoever kind of gets that one is going to put themselves in a, in a good position here. And as you would expect Panther, well, we don't want to give it away here, but uh, Panther City to get by Vancouver this weekend as well. But you never know. Uh, you just never know. And that's because Vancouver, we mentioned all the, the moves and everything that, that went down was right there with the Saskatchewan rush after 45 minutes of play. Unfortunately, Santino, uh, an 8-2 fourth quarter, the undoing here of Vancouver, a couple bad penalties down the stretch. You know, Aiden Walsh was was right there, talk, you know, like, save for save with, with Big Book, 
But then in the fourth, they started to find a few holes. They cranked it up a notch, and they end up pulling away from Vancouver here, 14-8 the final. So Saskatchewan gets uh, another W here, but I <laughs> I think the biggest story, I know the biggest story, like every <laughs> media outlet you can imagine, Barstool, you name it, has picked this up. Alexis Bouquet, if you haven't heard it, go find it. I could drop the audio in. I'm not going to do it. It's been overplayed probably enough already, but this thing is getting clicks galore. And suddenly Alexis Bouquet is this like internet star, like NFL reporters, NBA, like NHL. Everybody is commenting on this post-game interview with Alexis Bouquet, who kind of gives a, like, we've seen, (laughs) we've seen this before from Bouquet. I don't know why this time around it went. So this isn't even the first time he's sworn on TV. But uh, dropped an F-bomb on live TV. It made Teddy Jenner giggle like a little schoolgirl there. I'm not sure what was going on with his mic, but uh, that was that was some good comedy. And uh, I suppose at the end of the day, some great exposure for the NLL. I think Teddy's giggle was uh, probably the most underrated part of that video. That's when I started to like lose my mind when I was watching it, when I heard yeah. his laugh. But um, in terms of the game itself, we knew... I mean, everybody should have known that Bouquet was going to have a strong game in this one. This was probably a game that he had money on the board for, I would think, coming back to play his former team. You know, I said last week when, we were t- when I was talking about Nick Rose, like anytime a goalie lets in 10 or less, y- you have to give them a ton of credit. That's that's a really hard thing to accomplish. So uh, full credit to the rush and Bouquet. In terms of Vancouver... We still, and I've said this to you before as well, we we still have yet to see Vancouver play a full 60 minutes. Mm-hmm. And to come out of halftime and you're, you're neck and neck here with a really good rush team and to put up a goose egg, but Saskatchewan only puts up one. Like you're suddenly in such a lucky position where this game could have gotten out of hand because you didn't put a single ball past Bouquet in a quarter, but it's not out of hand yet. That's such an incredible position to have just found themselves in. And then they kind of stop playing. I don't know. An eight to two fourth quarter. Yeah. Not, obviously, not obviously it's a tale of two very different teams. Like one team could be considered a contender. One team is very obviously rebuilding, mm. but yeah. Two goals in the second half. It has to be unacceptable. Yeah, and I just, I don't understand. Like, it's got to be mental to me that how they can play so well for certain stretches and then play so poorly for others just tells me it's between the ears on, on these guys, and they just need to figure that out somehow. But, you know, with no Mitch and no Logan on offense, it's up to the, some some other guys. Riley Lowen, I think, did his job. He's always going to do his job. He's a pro. Keegan Ball can can do so much killing. He's going to shoot it, but you know it's the guys like Martell, Scanlon, uh, Charlotte Beatties. Shoot the ball, son! Like you're now number one on this left-handed offense. Quit passing up open looks. You look at the top guys, and their shot total. They may not score every time they shoot, and they may be you know like that's going to happen. And I get you want to be unselfish. You're a young kid. But sooner or later, man, start firing the ball. You got a great outside shot. You got to use it. 
and you're not going to score until you start doing it. So he's got to change his mindset a little bit, get a little more selfish, and start looking for his. Because now a lot of extra weight has been put on his shoulders, at least until maybe some other things change. I'm ready to give Claridge a look. Why not? Uh, see what's there with the youngster. Uh, I don't know who you bring out or who you want to, you know, but I'm ready to give Claridge a look. I'll tell you that. So Vancouver, like we mentioned, down in Panther City, they're uh, still sitting on one win on the season. Things not getting any easier this week on the road. Tino, I think that is no, we got one more game no, to talk more. about. What am I talking about here? And what a game it was. I was trying to kind of watch this at the same time as, as the Warriors game, and I still want to go back and, and watch this game and listen to this game. Uh, Colorado playing on the second half of uh, back-to-back and taking on the Desert Dogs down there in Vegas. And how about it for the Dogs, Tino? They get their first franchise win. They do it on their home floor. They do it over the defending no, This is their second win. Oh, excuse it? me. They beat yeah. Vancouver. But this is a huge win for Vegas taking down the defending champion Colorado Mammoth. Uh, pretty exciting stuff. Oh, it's electric stuff. I, we, we, we need to see some more Vegas wins because I want them to be in I want them to be playing in front of those fans for a long time. But to uh, obviously they're at a bit of an advantage in this game with Colorado playing their second game of the weekend like you talked about. but you, you can't take it you can't take anything away. They, they can only play the hand that they're dealt and they had guys step up like crazy. Jack Hanna puts up nine po- six goals yeah. into the, uh, I don't know. Rob Hellier puts up four of his own. Uh, I mean, I'm not going to tell you who yet, but I, my stallions coming from this Vegas team as well. Uh, full credit, to, full credit to Vegas and full credit to Landon Kells. Who was that? He robbed someone early in the game. There was some, I forget who it was on. I saw was, the save, but it was just kind of on a highlight and I didn't have the sound on, but it was a Rob job for sure. A 10 beller. Just I don't know. I I wonder if, if that's something that he that he uh, pulled out of his pocket. Well, I saw. I don't know if it was Hutton Jackson or or maybe one of the other bet on lacrosse guys tweet out a stat about teams on back to backs and against the spread. And I don't know what it was like five and thirteen or something like that. It's a you know it's becoming pretty apparent that it's a huge disadvantage. I didn't always think it was that big of a deal, but then. When you kind of see the numbers equate on it like that, then you kind of start to think a little bit here. Colorado grinding out a win at home over Georgia, then have to go to Vegas, and they're sitting there waiting for him to come to town. If you're going to play back-to-backs, I really believe the second half of the back-to-back should be at home. You with me on that? Yeah, no, I, I just I've never heard anybody I've never heard that take before. Uh, That's what you yeah. call a hot take right there, Tino. That's hot. That's hot. That's really hot. Let's, let's let's get the schedule makers on the podcast here. What do we think about that? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, I don't know if it's doable or, or, you know, if it would make that huge of a difference or not, but um, something, something. So congrats to Las Vegas on win number two. Uh, I kind of feel stupid now. I forgot about that win. <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> Maybe I just tried to like block that nightmare out of my brain somehow and uh, couldn't quite do it. Well, I guess I did do it. Um, So... That's it for week number 10, and week 11 uh, promises to be even bigger, better, wacky, wilder, all of it. Uh, We'll talk about that coming up in Who You Got a little later in the program. 
Uh, we're not quite done with quarter number one yet, Tino. We got to saddle up here, partner. It's time to head for the Stampede Stables. <laughs> I wish people could see my visual when I'm watching you make your horse noise because you do this like wind up. And you do it into your shoulder. Yeah, uh, you gotta like cock the neck in, tuck the chin down. Oh, is that what I'm doing wrong? Uh, maybe. Well, you're doing something wrong. I'm not exactly sure what it is. Uh, once again, appreciate all the horse noises people have submitted. I still want some more. Send them to lacrosseclassified at gmail.com. Just two, three seconds. Uh, and we'll plug you into into the show, into the soundbite there. And that reminds me once again, Tino, I forgot to mention something else. Our week 10 Who You Got winner. Because last week I said, when you win a week of Who You Got, you will be required to submit a horse noise. Well, this guy had already submitted one, so he doesn't need to do it a second time. A man, a name, a voice you'll be very familiar with here on the podcast. My good friend and broadcast partner, former co-host on the show here in one, Bradley the Chancellor Challoner. One week, 10, who you got went perfect and had the tiebreaker against Tino Joshy Mills, who finished in second place. (laughs) Rycor, Ryan Mills, finished in third place. Pretty good week for for the Rycor family there. But Joshy uh, came up short on the tiebreaker. Bradley Challoner wins week 10 of who you got. Remember, it was probably like a month ago. I was ripping into Challoner because he was forgetting to submit his picks. And now look at him. He's a weekly winner here. So I don't know what. Uh, don't poke the bear. What Michael Winkler is going to do uh, as far as that goes, whether he's going to send him a prize back or what. I don't know. <laughs> we'll figure it out. Don't sound so bitter about uh, it, man. Yeah, Holy. <laughs> Another uh, subpar week for yours, truly, Tina. Right down here at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, okay, Stampede, Stallions of the Week, brought to you by Stampede Tack and Western Wear, of course. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, the home of every kind of boot you can imagine. The Blundstones, of course, are in stock, men's, women's, kids. Fancy, comfort, lightweight, they got it all there at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Hop online, though, you can do that as well as still shopping local. Stampede.ca, or they're out there in the Dale of Clover, Highway 10 and 180th. They've been there since 1966. The Blundstones have not, but they have been 
New Blundstones at Stampede Tack and Western Wear. Check them out. Uh, your Stallion of the Week, Tino. Yeah, I think you're going to like this one. Okay. Um, because it's a little uh, little it, off the board. Is like it I Tom said, Schreiber? That Vegas team. Not Tom Schreiber. Okay. Not Tom Schreiber. This player actually didn't have a single offensive point here. But I, a stat I, I always like to look at is blocked shots. Mm. And um, I think it's safe to say that on average, a defender, if if they're blocking any, on average, it's one, maybe two on a good night kind of thing. I say good night kind of like loosely because nobody wants to be – wants to be uh, – get hit with these things but um james barkley of the vegas desert dogs jumped in front of four shots this week ouch not to mention he also had eight loose balls uh two cause turnovers as well so a pretty strong night defensively but i mentioned before how uh, and, and we've talked before about how you know when a goaltender save or lets in 10 or less is something you you have to you have to discuss because it's a really impressive stat in my opinion like go through the stats from this weekend i think the most that anybody else blocked was two like a handful of guys got two for sure but if somebody is blocking more than that in a game to me that's something that you have to talk about because to block some of these shots like some of these things are coming like 100 miles an hour at you it it doesn't feel good. You've blocked a shot before. I've blocked a shot before. It takes some courage. It takes some, uh, you know what, to to get in front of a ball volunteer. Rory Smith might have been the best to do it. He would just fling himself. Uh, Ian Lord's pretty good at it as well. Uh, there's been some some real good shot blockers over the years. Uh, Barclay with four. That's a that's a pretty healthy stat. So uh, welcome to the stable, James Barclay. A lot of people, you know, Graham Barrow said. You know the stat line on Tom Schreiber. That's 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 stallion. But I don't think we can ever give Schreiber a stallion ever again, sort of thing. Because I I kind of like the running. Is that joke. my fault? I kind of like the running joke of giving it to Schreiber, although he's probably earned it a bunch of weeks in a row. Um, and this week was no exception. He's not getting the stallion this week. Sorry, Tommy. <laughs> uh, honorable mention to one Latrell. Harris, you want to talk about a stat line. This guy went ham against the Riptide. Three goals, an assist, eight loose balls, a block, and a cause turnover for the L train, who I easily could have made my stallion this week, Tino. But no, I'm going to keep it right where I was Saturday night at Rogers Arena and just give the damn thing to Alexis Buka. Are you giving it to him for the interview? All of it. Play? All of it. <laughs> Mostly the interview, but the play as well. Uh, he locked it down in that second half for Saskatchewan and then uh, came up huge in the postgame. Chantel Chan is now famous as well. Uh, Bouquet is getting my stallion of the I loved I loved the answer. The question was like, what can you say about your penalty killers there in the second half? He's like, I uh, don't even really think about it. Should yeah. I stop the ball? You know? <laughs> and that's like, that's it. You know? Yeah. <laughs> oh, those guys are fucking beauties. Uh, so, <laughs> again, go go find the soundbite. I, I might drop it in. I don't know. Um, so, Bouquet and Barclay are going in the Stampede Tack and Western Wear Stables this week. Welcome to the stable. You're this week's Stallions of the Week. That was a big opening quarter. We got a lot more to talk about here on EP221. The Corn Dog, Jeffrey Cornwall, the Calgary Roughnecks, will join us in quarter two. Stay with us here on Lacrosse Classified on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. 
This is Cooper Perkins, voice of the San Diego Seals. You're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move things into quarter number two, which is brought to you by Rycor Construction. They make it stand out at Rycor. Interior and exterior renovations, fencing, decks, kitchens, bathrooms. They do it all at Rycor, and when they do it, they make it stand out. www.rycorconstruction.ca is the website. They have all their contact information on there. You can go see their work. They got the before and the after shots going. Instagram and Facebook at Rycor Construction, Inc. Good week of work for the Rycor boys, but tough week in the, the who you got. Well, they're up there in the standings, but uh, coming up a little bit short in the weekly win there. Tough, tough one, Josh. Uh, but quarter two, brought to you by Rycor, and uh, they make it stand out. This guy stood out nicely in the game back in Halifax over the weekend. Why, you might ask? Because he scores the overtime winner right at the nine seconds, I believe, in OT, right off the draw. In he goes. Look, corkscrew, Jeffrey. Uh, beauty to win it for the Roughnecks in overtime. Walk me through that play. Welcome to last class. How's it going? Uh, I'm doing all right. Thanks for having me. Tell me, uh, walk me through the goal because, you know, Jeff, we, Jake Withers was absolutely dominating the faceoff all game long in that contest. But then in overtime, a little loose ball scramble and, and away big Cornwall goes to the rack. <laughs> yeah, it was, uh, it was actually kind of funny. Like going into the overtime, uh, Zach Courier pulled me aside and he's like, all right, like, I want you to just run up to the line and then like the first guy that runs over the line, you take him and I'll take the second guy. Like just assuming we weren't going to win the draw. Right. Um, which is a pretty fair assumption. Like Withers is an unbelievable draw guy, like phenomenal lacrosse player altogether. So uh, it was apparently all you need is just one win, one win on the dot and you can put together a game. It was kind of a funky play too, because it looked like he actually did win the draw, but then it like bounced off a stick and just took a friendly roll right to your pocket. And it was, it was off to the races. I know the goal you scored to kind of win the NLL championship was, was probably just a tad bigger than, than an overtime victory in Halifax in a regular season. But did it kind of feel the same when you popped that one in as it did when you won a championship with the rush? The same in the sense of like, uh, it was a lot of fun. Uh, I think that was probably the part that was the same. Um, but honestly, like I, I try and treat every game the same way. Like I, I love going out there, having fun competing and whether it's like a regular season game, an exhibition game, or like a championship game, it's like any time that a guy like me is able to put the ball in the net, it's, it's pretty special. Cause I don't do it that often. Were you thinking corkscrew the entire way, or is that what kind of Warren gave to you and, and you had to go to it? Uh, I said before the game to, uh, Adam Bland, we were like chatting. I'm like, I can get this guy like twister five hole for sure. And then I remember like, I had like a crease dive earlier in the game and I went like far side cheese, which is what I always seem to shoot. Uh, he stoned me and I got annihilated by Hossack on a slide, just blown up. Um, so when I, when I got that next opportunity, I was like, I'm definitely shooting the well this time. Uh, cause I called it earlier and hopefully it will work. So worked out, worked out. Uh, you mentioned earlier the, the adjustment that Zach Courier is kind of giving you on the face off. Um, 
when you're playing in a game like that where Jake Withers is just not losing a single draw until obviously towards the end of the game, what kind of adjustments are you guys making? Like, are you just starting to prepare for a loss like early in the game when you see that that Wiz is clearly in one? Uh, like to some degree, right? Like we we started off with like one up, three back on the draw, and we moved to four back on the draw because we we have to respect his game. Like he's not only is he good at getting the ball into his stick very quickly, like he can draw to any location he wants, but when he does pick it up, like he's he's a guy that can actually drive the cage and like get a good opportunity on net. So we have to respect that athleticism and speed. And, you know, we modified to going four back on the draw. Um, I think it was the right call. We conceded a couple of them. He just pulled them back for free to Terrafenko. And you know what? Like it's, it's better than them getting that odd man opportunity. So all in all, you got to respect a guy that's that dominant in that spot. Yeah, not not to make this interview all about Jake Withers here, Jeff Cornwall, but <laughs> where do you rank him? Like as far as overall lacrosse players in the league, because like as dominant as a faceoff guy he is, I think he's a pretty good <laughs> defender as well, and has a little bit of touch as well. Like he, to me, he's upper echelon. Yeah, like personally, I don't know Jake that well. Like I probably met him once or twice on the floor. Um, but a guy that like in a position where like face-off guy, like you have like the Fogos and like Jake isn't a guy that like needs to go off the floor. Yeah. Like he can take the face off and he can play. And like when you're that good at that position and not only that, you can still like be a contributing member to every facet of your team's game. I mean, like you got to give credit where credit is due. It's pretty neat to see. All right, let's let's talk about Jeff Cornwall here. Uh, you get selected to Vegas. You didn't stay there for very long as uh, Mouse goes out and acquires you in exchange for Marshall King, and you end up in Calgary, which was probably a little weird. Like your career, you start out. Remind me now, you got drafted to Buffalo, correct? Yes. What was yeah. the deal? What was the deal from Buffalo to Saskatchewan? Uh, I went in the second round to Buffalo and then five games into that, I was traded to, uh, to Edmonton for two second rounders. So a long time there with, with the rush organization and, and some rings to go along with it. And now you're kind of on the other side uh, of that rivalry that, that you went up against for so long. What's it been like being in Calgary and, being back with uh, with a coach that you know so well in Kurt Malowski. Uh It's been pretty neat. Like, uh, you know, you kind of get into your routines and stuff. Like, I think I played for the Rush for nine, almost ten seasons or something. Um, and everything was so familiar. Uh, and then going into a new environment, like playing with all these people that I've competed against for so long or some of the players I've actually coached, um, it's, it's a totally different vibe, uh, like coming into a dressing room that, no one really has played with me before. So um, it's like a lot of learning. The group welcomed me. They made me feel right at home and uh, kind of accepted the quirky guy that I am, uh, which has made the transition a lot easier. Uh, but yeah, it's it's been a blast. Like uh, the draft followed by like the quick trade was a bit of a quick turnaround. And Did you I know was really that was confused. coming, Jeb? Uh the expansion draft, I kind of had an idea. Um, the trade, I w- had no clue. Were you um, ready to go to Vegas if that was the case? Yeah. I mean, like the sports of business, right? Yeah. So 
if there's a team that wants you and is go like is willing to use a draft pick on you or to trade for you, then clearly there's a reason why they want you there. And I think it's like it's nothing but a positive thing to like have a team, you know, try to get you. And if they do, like when you when you go there, you want to make the most of it. Um, I was watching a, a, an, an interview with Malowski before the season started when you guys were in training camp and he was, ta- he had a ton of high praise for you. And he was talking about how he thinks in Saskatchewan because their defense was so deep. He said, he kind of thought that you could be playing a bigger role than what you were actually playing in Saskatchewan. If like now, now that you're on Calgary, um, what does it mean to you to hear that kind of high praise from such a, a well-known and well-respected coach? And and what kind of role do you think you found yourself here in, in Calgary? Uh, as far as the role, I mean, I'm, I'm still discovering that. Uh, I, I understand that like, like from day one, my focus has always been defense first. I mean, games are a lot easier to manage when like the other team scoring like, you know, eight to 10. Um, so like that's that's my main focus through and through um but i still have a little bit of legs for the transition side of things um i love running the floor like being part of such a young group back there um like all those guys love to run so anytime we get a loose ball it's like everybody's like full smiles full steam ahead <laughs> uh, it's a pretty it's a pretty neat feeling to have that but yeah like uh having having most uh talk about me like that it's different from what i'm used to um, you know, being on the, usually being on the opposing side of mouse for the past, like 10 seasons, uh, the words he used for me were not usually behind it. <laughs> um, to answer, so, answer me this, Jeff, how, like from 2010, when, when you guys went to Minto together to the kind of coach he is now, what's changed with Kurt or has anything changed with Kurt? You know what? I think, I think a lot, a lot's changed with Kurt. Um, largely like the big things that haven't changed like his passion for the game his compete like his knowledge those things are all like they've grown if anything um but largely like what's changed is he's like he's really wants the players to be who they are and like in junior it was like i was a kid that i played video games like right up until like 10 minutes before the game like i'd show up in my pajamas uh <laughs> So, like, I can only imagine, like, you know, Mouse seeing a guy like that with, you know, maybe a good amount of potential, um, but, like, clearly not, like, prioritizing the game over, uh, like, or as much as they could, um, probably drove him a bit nuts at the time. So, uh, I'm happy to be a little bit older now and recognize that, like, as that, I guess I was, like, 17, 18 or something back then, and, uh, like, my perceptions of him probably being a little more upset with me at times than I thought he needed to be was largely because of, you know, the aloof person that I was and kind of am still. Um, but at least I have the self-awareness now. There, so that helps. there you go. Self-awareness is key. <laughs> now, I mean, now you're playing, I mean, you played in front of a, a ton of great goaltenders, but now you're playing in front of Christian Del Bianco, who is just an elite goaltender in this league. He's putting up a ton of, a ton of assists. That's what everyone's talking about this season. But um, what does he mean to your guys's defense in general? I, I've heard from some people that he kind of likes to direct things a little bit, or he, or he likes to be at the very least, like very involved in the communication with the defense. So what, what's it like to be, to, uh, play on, on the same team as him? 
Uh, it's it's pretty cool. I mean, uh, having a guy like that as your last line of defense, um, it's it's so reassuring to know that you can play a little bit more aggressively at times and and make the aggressive mistake because ultimately, like if you mess up, you have your best option is right behind. Like Delbs, Delbs is pretty vocal. He he likes to tell us what he wants. Um, like if he wants a shot from the outside, if he wants a particular person shooting. Uh, like two on ones, he'll tell us who to lock off. Um, and like him being able to contribute to the game that way, huge. It's it's massive. Like it it creates it allows him to create opportunities that he has kind of like decided in his head that like that's his fight. And like the guy's an absolute gamer. So anytime that we can give him, you know, the shot that he wants, or like put someone in an unfavorable position to score. Like we know that he's going to be the guy that's making the stop nine times out of 10. Yeah. Think, think about that, Tino. Like if you, because it's, it's unique, right, Jeff, because the goaltender sees the game different than every other person on the floor because he's behind everybody looking out at in front of him instead of, you know, not knowing what's behind you or what's going on around you sometimes. And for a goaltender to pre almost predetermine, hey, I want this guy to shoot from this spot or take away the pass and just give me the shooter. And he's communicating that to his defense in front of him, almost predetermined. Your success rate must just go up significantly knowing what the outcome is going to be before it even happens. Yeah, I like. I, I don't know how he does it. Um it's like probably the nicest thing about getting traded to Calgary is that I don't have to shoot on him in games anymore. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Cause I think I have like maybe 35 career shots on him and maybe one goal. So that it's kind of reassuring that I don't need to be one of the guys shooting on him. And you can see the frustration in some of the players where <laughs> like, yeah. you know, they're, they're on the doorstep. Like we had a defensive breakdown and they just can't get the ball by him at times. Like when he's hot, he, he is the man. And he was that on, on the weekend. I got to ask you, you know, like Calgary has been notoriously slow starters over the last, last number of years, you know, record wise, uh, before they kind of got rolling. And, and, you know, the last couple of games has been slow starts as well here, Jeff. And you couldn't climb the hill all the way against Toronto, although you, you sure damn tried, but you were able to do it against Halifax. I, I would think that, it's a it's a comforting feeling knowing that you can come back on teams and that you're never really out of it. But on the other side, it's got to be a little bit concerning that you guys aren't starting on time. Yeah, the the timely start has kind of plagued us so far. Like I that early San Diego game we played where they were up like seven one in the blink of an eye, uh, and then you know like we battled back, we made the game close, we we made it exciting we have a group that is capable of competing in every game, whether, whether we're down seven, whether we like, whether we like go shot for shot with them the whole way and uh, just get like, sometimes it comes down to getting an early bounce. Sometimes it comes down to, you know, stopping the other team's run uh, kind of like rebuilding our own momentum early enough. Little by little, we're chipping away at that. And ultimately we're a team that we're going to make every game Right. There's never going to be a blowout. There's never going to be like we're never going to get outworked. We're always going to be battling to 
compete with the other team, regardless of the outcome. So uh, being in a position like that on a squad like that, it's pretty comforting to know that no matter what the score, we're always going to be playing roughneck lacrosse, even if we're not getting the bounces we want. Uh, I want to ask you a little bit about your uh, your Poco Saints too, your junior Poco Saints, because obviously yeah. the 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 draft just happened, and I know you're on the the coaching staff with your brother. But I watched all of your guys' home games last season. I was on the on the play calls for them. So unfortunate that you guys were only able to get one win last year. Um, but maybe uh, to Jumbo, I don't know if you're done talking about the NLL stuff, but. I would love to ask you about what your expectations are for the Saints this season. Well, like, the only what do you... the only thing I want to ask one more NLL question is who's the fastest? You, Simpson, <laughs> or Tice Hurst? I would probably give it to Shimmer. Okay. I would say Shimmer's the fastest, then probably Tice, then me. Uh, like those guys got the youth on me. Yeah, I yeah. Mean, <laughs> it's hard to compete with that in my prime. Yeah, well, I was gonna say probably, in the prime. Yeah, in the prime, probably still the same order. <laughs> <laughs> like, fair it, enough. It is, fair I'm enough. I'm happy to pass the torch. It's yeah, fair enough. Okay, I just wanted to know that. Back to your Saints question, Tina. Yeah, tell me about the Poco Saints this season. I want to hear. Uh, I want to hear what the expectations are supposed to be. Uh, yeah, like uh, for for the junior squad. Um, we don't we don't have expectations for our group i mean if anything the expectation is that the players that we have coming out come to learn come to compete and come to improve coaching that team in particular has been pretty rewarding uh prior to that i had never coached a losing season in my 13 some odd years of coaching um so it was a little bit of a a, a little bit of a little bit of pain there but I remember like our last game of the season, we're playing against, I think it was Nanaimo. And at this point we had traded a couple of players away and we're, we have a pretty depleted roster at this time. And Nanaimo's kind of like putting the boots to us. I think it was like Dunbar had like four or five goals at this point. Like, you know, it would have been nice to keep him for that year, but it is what it is. Um, but we played like three solid shifts of defense in a row and like we're down by seven. And I can hear the boys running off the floor and they're saying, we're dogs, we're dogs. Like, you got this. <laughs> and I'm like, man, like we're down by seven. And like, it's the last game we won one game. And like these, like these young men, like are having a blast out there. Like they believe in themselves and you know, that kind of, that moment kind of like it resonated with me. It makes me, like really look forward to the group that we have coming up in Poco and like what we can accomplish moving forward. Was that tough as we speak with Jeff Cornwall here for a few more minutes, was it tough uh, transition going from the shiny lights of, of the palace on Poirier and the, the purple and gold and the tradition and all that Jeff to down there to, to Poco and throwing on the black and yellow. What was that like? Uh, you know, it was a pretty easy decision. Uh, like, no, I'm just giving you a hard time. I know. I'm just. I kind of laid out the the rivalry and the history between the Saints and the Adnex. Oh, like my take on that stuff. Like the rivalry is it's super important, but being behind the bench, like almost all the players on that Coquitlam team, I I had the pleasure of coaching for quite some time, and like seeing them be successful in their like college careers and in their junior careers is like a pretty cool feeling. And it's, it's actually a lot of fun that I get to, you know, 
be behind another bench coaching a different group of young men and like competing against these kids that like I put so much of my heart into like helping out and teaching and you know, sharing my love of the game with. So taking the high road all day here, Tino. (laughs) Hey, holy, that was, uh, that was about as politically correct as you could get right there. No, I, and I know you're sincere about it, Jeff, but I appreciate that last and and certainly not least thing I want to, to kind of bring up with you, Jeff is, you know, we're, we're in the midst of a three week initiative here with the national lacrosse league and every child matters, but black history month here in February. And I know that the NLL is going to turn its attention to this initiative, um, tell me what it means to you as a, as a black player in the, the National Lacrosse League and what the month means and, and what people can do to, to kind of educate themselves and bring more awareness to it. Uh, I think, like, being a part of the National Lacrosse League, uh, it's particularly pretty neat to uh, be a black player. I mean, there's not all too many of us. Uh, the representation is growing, but it's not something that there's many of. And in fact, like there was a fan who told me that I inspire them because I'm the first black lacrosse player they've seen. So uh, it was kind of a kind of a neat moment because when I'm on the floor and like playing the game that I love, I don't I don't really think of, you know, skin color or anything like that. I just think we're all people out here uh, like doing the thing that we love. and just kind of hearing that like me doing what I love can inspire someone else is pretty neat. So um, I think we're really privileged to have this opportunity to have this platform to share our love of the sport with the world. And hopefully that helps unite everybody. Did you ever have to deal with any nastiness kind of when you're growing up, anything racial or racist said or done by anybody kind of coming up? Is that something you had to deal with as a youngster? Definitely. Yeah. Um, I mean that those sort of things, they're sticks and stones, right? Uh, you have to try to like work yourself above it and, um, kind of like use it as fuel to help you excel. Um, a couple times got under my skin a little bit. (laughs) Um, but ultimately like I, I have to just be the person that I am. Like I'm, I'm proud of who I am and I'm going to continue to be that way. Well, I'm proud of who you are too, Jeff Cornwall and uh, best of luck with your Calgary Roughnecks this weekend against the rush. Best of luck with your saints on the upcoming box lacrosse season. Appreciate you uh, making some time on lax class for us here. That was a great chat. Thanks for doing it. Thanks for having me. Take care, guys. Take care, Jeff Cornwall. And, of course, uh, Brother Travis, a member of Panther City. And, you know, I've had the chance to to meet the Cornwall family, Tino, and he's got a sister that was an absolute supreme athlete as well. And just a a great family are the Cornwalls. And uh, you can tell the apple doesn't fall far from the tree when it comes to Travis and Jeff. Yeah, uh, Vegas. I, I think it misspoke there. It, uh, it went from Panther City to Vegas. Excuse me, Panther City to Vegas. Thanks uh, for the correction there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but no, that was a that was a great chat. Such a well spoken guy, and like I love these these interviews that we do when when the guests are are as well spoken as Jeff was there because it, it makes the experience like it, it's so much easier for it to 
for it to become just a conversation yeah. rather than an interview. That's why you, know you don't I mean? write stuff down, Tino. You just go with it. You just go. <laughs> okay. No, they're both uh, very intelligent, both great athletes, and uh, come from a great family. So really appreciated that conversation there with Jeff Cornwall. we we got to take a break here, Tino. It's halftime here on Lax Class. Quarter three is coming up. Lax Class locks in. Who you got is all ahead here on EP221. Stay classified. Associated Labels and Packaging, a fun family company that offers premium quality labels and packaging with unparalleled service. With 40 years of experience, an extensive product catalog, and an ever-growing fleet of equipment, Associated Labels and Packaging is the perfect fit to take your labels and packaging to the next level. Hey, this is NLL Hall of Famer, Patty McCready. You're listening to Lax Class. Welcome back to Lax Class into second half action. We go here, quarter number three, which is brought to you by Associated Labels and Packaging. They've been with us since day number one. Best in the business when it comes to labels and packages. Need a label, need a package. Associated Labels and Packaging are your people. AssociatedLP.com is where you can find them. They focus on people, ethics, quality, and of course, they're family-owned by the Ashworth family. Over 40 years of experience in the label and packaging industry. I still haven't checked in with uh, with Shawnee yet. Just giving that another week to marinate. Maybe after the Super Bowl. Uh, he could be going to the Super Bowl, for all I know. So, Associated Labels and Packaging, sponsors here in quarter number three, where... We like to do a little thing called Lax Class Locks, which is coming right up. Before we get to that, I always got to do this every single week. And until everybody that listens to the podcast does it, I'm going to keep mentioning it. That's to subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening. To review the podcast with five stars and a couple of nice words would be great. Give us a follow on social media, at Ferretino, at PXP for sports, at Lax Class on Twitter, at Lacrosse Classified on Instagram. We got an email address at lacrosseclassified at gmail.com, and we even got a Facebook page, too. So do all that, and while you do that, we're going to get into some Lax Class locks. Locked. When you're right 52% of the time, you're wrong 48% of the time. I hereby declare lock of the week. Ooh, that's a big lock, all right. Lax class locks. Man, I mentioned it off the top, Tino. Ever so close. To making it happen last week, just one goal short. Mind you, I think the other team might have finished one goal to the good to, to get the over. So it was very, very tight. These bookmakers are very, very good at what they do. And uh, you're not going to win every single week. But this week, Tino, this week is the week of all weeks. This thing is going to come home. I just feel it in my bones. How about you? Uh, how, who am I to argue with something when you come across that confident? <laughs> <laughs> um, there are updated odds as far as NLL futures go to, you know, I don't know if, uh, we want to kind of run this down here quickly. We might as well. Why not? 
San Diego now a plus 450. They are the odds-on favorite to win the NLL Cup, plus 450. Bandits coming in and Rock coming in just behind them at plus 600. Then it's Saskatchewan, Colorado, Halifax, and down we go as uh, some value there. Panther City at 1,700. Vegas has moved up. Uh, the Warriors, Tino, if you're looking to get rich... <laughs> Uh, with the Warrior plus ten thousand, if you want to lay down a little money on the Warriors to win the NLL Cup, and hope you get lucky. Uh, but back to the parlay here, as uh, we got another three gamer, and like I mentioned, Rochester, a home underdog against Halifax, plus one and a half at minus one fifty four. So I like those odds. I think it's time. I'm sick. I might not pick Albany for the rest of the year because I cannot seem to get it right with the firewalls. And I'm just going to take my chances picking against them for the rest of the year. So I don't have to put my brain in a pretzel. Do I take them? Do I not take them? <laughs> so I'm taking the riptide at plus one and a half here for a minus minus one fifty four two, And then uh, to end off the week, we got the mammoth taking on the roughnecks which means we got Dylan Ward going up against Christian Del Bianco, which just screams under to me, Tino. I don't know about you, but I like the under when Ward and Del Bianco are going up against each other. And so there you go. You're probably looking at around a plus 500 for that, and you'll get a solid cool bet return of one. 20 somewhere around there don't forget if you're new to the podcast you haven't signed up to cool bet yet it's not too late to do so when you do do that use the bonus code lax class and you will get free money from the good folks at cool bet canada all you have to do is put in the bonus code lax class and uh, your first time deposit they will match you up to 200 dollars and then once you uh, lay down a little bet on the National Lacrosse League, take a screenshot, tag Lax Class and Cool Bet on Twitter, and win your. We got to announce our February winner here, Tina. We got to talk to Greg War, who did take our our sizes for Cool Bet swag, but then like didn't ask for the address and <laughs> like I you know didn't get back to us on what what's coming our way or anything. So I don't know what's going on there. But uh, tag Cool Bet, tag Lax Class, win yourself some swag and some tickets to an uh, LL game in your home market. Uh, you down with all that? Yeah, sounds good to me. Okay, that is going to do it for quarter number three. That means we got one more quarter to go. It's the fourth quarter, which has your favorite podcast game, Week 11 in the National Lacrosse League. Who you got is coming up. Stay with us here on Lax Class. This is Robert Church, and listen to Lax Class. And now it's time for Who You Got. Welcome back to Lax Class as we move into the fourth and final quarter here of the podcast. No more breaks on the pod, uh, but here in quarter four, it's sponsored by one Mitchell Jones, uh, who is no longer a, a member of the Vancouver Warriors, but he is still a valuable member of the real estate market here in the Tri-Cities, the Lower Mainland. Mitch Jones of Royal LePage Sterling Realty. You can get a hold of him at 604-916-6772. 
And like I mentioned before, I've known Mitch since he was just a young boy, a ball boy, in fact, for for me and his dad back in uh, you know late '90s for the the New Westminster Sandbellies. And kid worked his tail off back then, shagging balls and filling water bottles and all the rest of it. And he's continued that work ethic into the real estate market. If you have a house, you need to sell. If you have a house. You want to buy. Mitch Jones Realty is your guy. Like I mentioned, get a hold of him via the cell. You can do it that way at 604-916-6772. Give him a follow on social media as well. He's usually posting up uh, when he's got new listings or when sales are made. All part of Royal LePage Sterling Realty down there in Port Moody on Bruce Street. Uh, Mitch Jones, Philadelphia Wings now. Still got to get. I I want to mention this that Warriors fans and and fans of lacrosse here in the Lower Mainland alike they should probably keep in mind. You know, it's kind of sad to see Mitch traded away, but the I like I really like the return to Charbonneau and the two pick. Mitch Jones also, you know, an unrestricted free agent at the end of the year. So you know, I don't know what the conversations were between Mitch and Paul Day when when the the, the deal was made and Mitch, but Mitch could easily decide, Hey, I want to come back home at the end of the year. And then they got Charbonneau. They got the two picks and they get Jonesy back. So keep your fingers crossed on that. That's all I'm saying. A little, uh, that's like some, I mean, there's, there's not really a lacrosse video game anymore, but that's like some, some NHL 23 B a GM mode. Kind yeah. Of thing there, Jumbo. Yeah. <laughs> it's time once again to play your favorite podcast game. Who you got? Brad Challoner, winner of Week 10, who you got? Uh, Josh Mills and Ryan Mills coming in second and third, respectively. Uh, well done to Challie. Goes perfect, as does Josh. But uh, tiebreaker. Tiebreakers matter in who you got. Uh, me and you did not do awful, Tino. We did not do particularly well. I went five for eight. I think you went four for eight, which means I did... Much, much Slightly. better, much better than you. Um, <laughs> although you are still slightly ahead of me in the overall standings, if you want to scroll all the way to the bottom of those things. I don't know what's going on this year. Like I said, I might not take Albany again for the rest of the year because I feel like that is the team. I'm putting it all in the firewalls that have cost me just valuable points in who you got so far this season but uh so with that being said since i did way better than you uh in week 10 i think that means i get to host this week it's been a couple of weeks so i'm looking forward to doing this week 11 who you got stampede tack and western where are your sponsors of who you got jeans belts buckles boots hats toques flannels jackets Belts, did I say belts? Saddles, stirrups, spurs. They got it all. Stampede Tack and Western Wear, Stampede.ca, where shopping online is still shopping local. What do we got? One, two, three, four, five, six big games here for week 11. It starts Friday, February 10th, 
4.30 Pacific time, 7.30 p.m. Eastern time, down there at Gas South Arena in Duluth. Swarm 0-5, Rock 6-2. Tino, who you got? I need to say, first of all, uh, when you were talking about not picking Albany uh, anymore and you're like, I don't know what's wrong with me this year. You sound, I don't know if you, if you watch The Office or not, but you sound like Michael Scott when he goes, they go to play the basketball game against the warehouse crew yeah. and he just is terrible. And he's like, what is wrong with me today? <laughs> That's what you sound like. Thank you. With your Dunder uh, but... Mifflin sign in the background there, big office guy. <laughs> uh, talking about the Toronto Rock. We got? Swarm, though. This one's going to be my eight pick. I'm taking the Toronto Rock. They're a well-oiled machine. Georgia's still looking for win number one. I just don't think it's going to happen on Friday night. This is probably why we both suck, because we've had the same kind of picks <laughs> all season <laughs> long. Uh, so, I don't know. Take it for what you will. I'm taking the Rock for an eight as well. Maybe the game of the week here. Rush and Roughnecks from Calgary, also on Friday night. So, a nice little space out here. 7.30, this 9 o'clock start. Roughnecks and Rush, four and two Saskatchewan, four and three Calgary. Tino, who you got? This is a, such a tough one, but I'm taking the home team here. The Roughnecks playing in front of their rabid fan base on that uh, that just beautiful turf that they play on. Uh, that's gonna be my <laughs> that's gonna be my four pick. The okay, Roughnecks. I'm going coin here because no matter which team I pick, it's gonna be wrong. So, heads for home team, tails for visitors. And we got tails. Go Saskatchewan. They're going to make this my four game. Saskatchewan for four. Halifax, speaking of fours, four and four, taking on the six and two Rochester Nighthawks, who are a two goal dog at home. Six and two. Old Nighthawks taking on the new Nighthawks. Tino, who you got? I might flip flop on this one before the actual game time. I'm so I'm not confident in this at all, but I'm going with Halifax on the road uh, in that hostile Rochester environment. This is my three pick Rochester for a three for me too. I, I think either team is capable of winning this game, but I, I just got to believe Rochester wants to stop the skid here and six and two is six and two. So they're at home taking Rochester care what the bookmaker says go <laughs> nighthawks uh we're into saturday's games that's a that's a seven o'clock start this is a seven thirty start you already know who i got but uh, i'm gonna ask you tino firewalls two and four riptide one and six this game is on long island firewalls and riptide tino who you got i'm going with new york this is my this is my five pick um, and I do think this is a game that could easily shock us. Like I think Albany, it wouldn't not shock me to see Albany come out firing and and dominate here. But I think offensively, New York has put together a couple of good games in a row. If they can just they can just give me one solid defensive game, I would appreciate it. Yeah, I gotta believe Abrams is gonna start this game. Why not? Why? I'll take. Yeah, I'm gonna take the Riptide too. I'm taking the Riptide. Four or five as well. Two more games to go. Eight o'clock start from Fort Worth, Texas. It was 20 to seven Panther City in the matchup in Vancouver. Now Vancouver goes to Panther City. One and seven Warriors, four and four Panther City Lacrosse Club. 
I wish they were called Fort Worth. I really, or Texas. Anyways, Panther City, 4-4, four and four, hosting the Warriors. Tino, who you got? Uh, I'll say Vancouver better have a good performance in this one, considering Panther City embarrassed them a couple weeks ago. Um, and I also wonder if this is going to be the first start back with Aaron Bold. I kind of hope it's not because I would love for him to get his first start at home in front of the home fans. However, <laughs> I'm still going with Panther City. I knew this the however. Was, I, I'm going Panther City for a seven. And it may be a while before I pick the Warriors again. They they need to show me a little something-something before I start picking the Warriors to win. As much as it pains me because I really want to see that team have success. I really, really do. Don't get me wrong. I want them to win. But uh, I got to make the smart play here and take Panther City. One more game to go. Colorado. Goes to Calgary. Calgary, unique situation here, Tino, playing a back-to-back, but both games are at home. I don't know if I've ever seen this before. Roughnecks with back-to-back games at home Friday against Saskatchewan, Saturday against Colorado. This is a massive week here for the Riggers. Mammoth, Roughnecks, who you got? You kind of got your wish. You said uh, you wanted the second half of back-to-back to be at home. You didn't say anything about the first one. Yeah, so you kind of touche, touche, Tino. Um, I'm still going to go with Colorado, though. Uh, I, I mean, we already talked about it. Teams playing on the second half of back-to-back, it's not a great record. So I'm going to go with Colorado, and this is my seven pick. Oh, man. This makes me – well, I got to do better than you somehow. So I got Saskatchewan. <laughs> I got to listen to the coin. And I don't think Calgary's going 0-2 this weekend. So I think they beat two, four, and three teams as it stands now. What will it be when, when they meet? I don't know. But I'm going to take Calgary in this one for a six. Calgary for a six. Don't forget your tiebreaker in there. Don't forget to save and apply. Don't forget to have auto picks. And if you're new to the podcast, don't forget to sign up. Office Pool Junkie. Search up who you got, two T's and got, two T's and Ellie, two T's and got, and uh, you can still get in on the fun and games and win a weekly prize. You're probably not going to win the overall championship, uh, but you can still win a weekly prize like our boy Brad Challoner just did in week 10. Should probably get an overall standings update as well. The overall leader by one single point, Kyle McLean, who was a weekly winner earlier this year. Uh, Jason Wittig, who lost in a tiebreaker, if I'm not mistaken. One point behind. Tyler Turner right in the mix. Uh, Ryan Ireland right in the mix. Love to see it. And uh, there she is, down there and tied for seventh, uh, East Van Dam. That's my lady there, Tino. She's still hanging top ten. Uh, can you continue to go down the list until we hit the top 100 no. so you can name me no, as well, that's, please? Uh, not, 92nd, baby. That's <laughs> <laughs> And just put it this way, folks. Tino is ahead of me. Top 100. <laughs> Hashtag expert. Uh, that is going to do it for EP221. Remember, classmates, Lax Class is going to come out Wednesday uh, for the next episode and moving forward, and uh, you can voice your opinion via social media if you don't like it or you love it or whatever. Uh, let me know. I'd love to hear from you. 
I want to thank Jeffrey Cornwall for coming on the podcast. I want to thank our sponsors, Stampede Tech, Cool Bet, Mitch Jones, Rycor, and Associated Labels and Packaging. I want to thank the loyal listener, that's you, classmates, for checking out Last Class each and every week right here on the Lacrosse Flash Podcast Network. We'll be back next week, every week. EP222 is next. 221 is now done for Santino Fair. I've been Jake Kelly, and for the fastest game on two feet, and for the creator, stay safe, stay healthy, and stay classified.